You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. There we go. Figured it out. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a privilege to be here. So we, uh, we were in Lincolnton, North Carolina for 11 years, and then uh, God uh, moved us to Buffalo, New York. Um, so we've been in a little bit of a, uh, of a culture shock uh, this week, because um, when you think about Buffalo, you usually think about two things. What are they? Number one's what? Snow, right? Uh, and that's true. By the way, that's no exaggeration either. Um, 2014, we had what was called Snowvember. In uh, November that year, we had six feet of snow and one snowfall at our house. Uh, so when you opened the door, literally, it was uh, it was it was the craziest thing. It was like it was so cool to live through. I don't ever want to do it again. Uh, that was an anomaly, um, but that's what you think of. And the other thing, of course, is the Buffalo Bills, right? And it's football season. Lucas is sitting here. He is a diehard football fan. And uh, if the Bills were playing today, he would be out there somewhere watching them while his dad was preaching. That's uh, kind of how that works. But uh, it is a privilege to be here. Our daughter, Lauren, uh, who is with us, uh, will be attending Tacoa Falls College uh, this year. And so we're in the process of, of getting her here to, uh, to move her here. And, uh, of course, uh, we couldn't be here without uh, being in service with you guys. So thank you for the opportunity to, to be able to share. And uh, it is my privilege. And I'm so proud of Josh and his ministry and his preaching and his passion. Um, he's uh, just always an encouragement to me. And I was thinking uh, on the drive down here, was just kind of thinking about uh, those years of ministry. Uh, one of the first things that I remember being there was, was taking them to, to youth camp, to junior camp. And Miss Faith had given me one instruction. Uh, when you get there, you call and let us know that you're there because Mama Bear is looking out for her kids, right? And so I drive five and a half hours. I've got 20 kids on this bus. We finally get there. And the last thing on my mind is calling anybody. And it hit me about 2 o'clock in the morning. I've got some mama bears that are not happy with me right now, and um, I think I've apologized profusely for the, uh, for the lack of discernment on my part as a uh, pastor of, uh, of not calling, and I think she forgave me eventually, but uh, those, are, those are great times, and I love this family, and uh, it is my joy to be here today. Uh, why don't you open your Bible with me, if you will, today to, uh, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There have been a, uh, a lot of what I call catchphrases that have kind of popped up in the, uh, the last 20, 25 years that uh, we would have never imagined using 20 years ago. Uh, one of those is selfie, right? You remember when you had Polaroid cameras and you, you may take a picture of yourself, but you had no idea what a selfie was, right? Um, or you may take that little disc camera, I had the little disc camera, and you'd take a picture, but it'd take like three weeks to get the picture back, see if it actually worked well or not. Um, and then as technology progressed and digital cameras and now uh, cameras on our phones, all those kind of things, uh, the word selfie became a, a very common term. Another one is hashtag, right? I knew that as a pound sign when I was a kid, uh, but now it's hashtag this. If you're online, it's hashtag. Like, that's what you got to use. It's, it's a common word. Uh, another one is meme. M-E-M-E, right? You, you know what a meme is? They kind of take a picture and, and it may have a little saying or something special about it. And we kind of use that image and it's, and it's shared. And again, that word meme was never used when I was a kid. I would have had no idea what a meme was. And then there's this one. This is a little more popular. Staycation, right? My family did this every year. We just didn't know what to call it, right? Um, 
My dad was a coal miner in West Virginia, and we vacation every year was the week before the 4th of July and the week of the 4th of July, and they had this little piece of property on the Greenbrier River, and that was our state. That's as far as we were going. We weren't going any further, uh, and we spent, uh, we spent our summers there, and uh, I guess that would have been a uh, staycation. Uh, another one that, uh, that has kind of become more popular today is that expression, pay it forward. And it kind of goes typically of you're in the drive-thru and it's like, you know what, I'm going to buy the coffee for the guy behind me. Now, I'm scared to death to do that, right? Because I'm afraid the guy's got like eight kids and they've ordered all this food. But, but the idea of pay it forward is I'm going to pay for the guy behind me so that he can then pay it forwards to someone else. Well, if I were going to title my message for this morning, I would just simply entitle it, Pay It Forward. Now let me just say to us this morning that if, if you're concerned with only yourself or your own comfort or your own interests and you're unwilling to look outside the box and to see others and maybe what they're going through, these next 35, 40 minutes may be a long time for you. But if somehow we can understand as Jesus would speak of us loving others and how the scriptures would use these one another references to get us outside of our little box and to begin to focus on others and what they're going through, uh, then maybe we can understand a little bit of what Paul is teaching us in this passage today. Let me kind of set up with a little bit of a background. The relationship that Paul had with the Corinthians, who he's writing to here, was kind of a love-hate relationship. Uh, Paul visited Corinth in his second missionary journey. He spent about a year and a half there, planted this church at Corinth, and it seemed like it was going to be, it was going to be a great opportunity. There were a lot of problems that arose out of that, however. This was not a pleasant experience. It was not a vacation for Paul. In fact, when the Jews that were in Corinth opposed his message, Paul said, well, forget it. I'll just go to the Gentiles. Well, that just made him even more angry, right? And so they're kind of rising up against him, and Paul takes this opportunity to go to the Gentiles and, and to preach the gospel. Well, then the Gentiles start getting saved, and the Jews are like, nope, not going to have it. It's not the way this works. And so the Jews then go to the governor to have them to, to try to expel, to, to get rid of Paul and all of his followers to kind of kick them out of the town. And, of course, the governor basically told them to take a hike. Like, forget it. It's not going to happen. Well, Paul re leaves Corinth and news reaches him that problems had arisen in the Corinth church. And so Paul writes them a letter. By the way, this is a letter that scholars said, we don't have this letter, we don't know what was said, but he wrote them a letter. It's not in our Bible today. On his third missionary journey, more problems arose, and they then send a letter to the apostle, to Paul, to say, hey, you're going to have to help us here, right? We need some clarification, we're going to need some answers, we're going to need some help. And so Paul wrote to them what is in our Bible, 1 Corinthians. Right? So if you're just kind of seeing a little bit of the timeline and how all this works. After 1 Corinthians was written, these false teachers arise in Corinth and they're teaching doctrines that are contrary to what Paul had been teaching and doctrines that are contrary to what he'd even written in 1 Corinthians. So Paul writes to them another letter that's not 2 Corinthians. This is what's known as the severe letter. Now, can I just say to us, I would love to know what was in that letter, wouldn't you? Like if these are the letters in which Paul is calm and he's reserved and he's being very patient, I want to know what he said in that letter, right? So he writes to them this severe letter in which he deals with many of the doctrinal issues, many of the false teachers that are there, many of the, and like he's calling them out. And knowing that the church is not out of danger, Paul then writes to them 2 Corinthians. That's the letter that we're going to look at today. He's planning another visit. He wants the opportunity to come in, even to confront these false teachers personally. He wants to have the opportunity to, to kind of deal with them one-on-one -on -one and to teach them the truth of the gospel. But in doing so, he knows he's got to address the body there. And that's what's happening in our text. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, if I can just kind of stop and talk us through as we work our way through this text. In these opening verses, Paul is really, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's using a Jewish way of thinking to bring them around so that he can address some very personal things in their lives. See, the Jews had these opening synagogue blessings that they would use, and they would refer to God, and they would sing about God, and they would talk about God, the first of which in their day was, Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, 
God of Isaac and God of Jacob. That's kind of where their mind went. Now watch what Paul said. Blessed be the God and Father, not of Abraham, not of Isaac, not of, not of Jacob. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what he's doing? He's already drawing a line. All right? For you Jewish believers, they're going to attack me personally, or that are going to attack the doctrine of Christ. Here's what I want you to know. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's blessed. Speak well of him. It's where we get our word for a eulogy. I want you to speak well of God and the Father of our Lord. By the way, Lord Jesus Christ. All those are so special. We don't have time to unpack it all, but Lord would talk about his deity. Jesus about his humanity, his, his death and his resurrection. And Christ, of course, that would portray him as the king, the Messiah. And then he's talking about God who is the father, the originator of mercies. And he is the God of all comfort. That's how Paul begins this very passage. And so he takes this synagogue blessing, as it were, kind of rewords it in a Christian form. But in doing so, he's like, again, he's just right out front. He's going to be very clear about what he's teaching them and what he's going to say to them. Now look at verse 4. Blessed be God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction so that, those are important words, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, just a little side note. The word comfort is used about 31 times in the New Testament. Ten of those times is in the passage that we're looking at today. It's Paul who, again, is going to talk about the very special idea of what God is able to do. It's, it's this idea of to strengthen much or to encourage or to stand by another as he goes through testing. So blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's doing what? Who's standing beside of us, who is strengthening us. He is comforting us. He is encouraging us. He is helping us in the midst of our most difficult times in life. And can I say to us that if anybody knew what difficult times was like, Paul did, right? In another place in 2 Corinthians, he talked about the fact that we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We know his story. I just finished preaching through Acts in our church, and, and we know the story of how Paul goes in and he's the shipwrecked and, and being bitten by snakes and being ran out of town and being stoned. We, we know what Paul went through, and Paul's going to step back and say, I want you to know that the God and Father that we are blessing, he is the one who comforts us in all of our, not just some of them, but in all of our afflictions. Whatever it is that you're going through and whatever the experiences of life, you need to know that God is coming alongside of you to comfort you, to encourage you, to help you, to give you the strength that you need at this very time in your life. But do you notice why he says that he's doing this? That, word, that little expression, so that? So that we then can be able to help others. See, we're surrounded today. By people that are hurting. And I don't have to tell you this, that our world is very different even than what it was 18 months ago. I don't have to tell you the anxiety. I know that you guys just went there. I don't have to tell you the anxiety and the pressures that people are feeling today unlike any other time. I don't have to tell you the trials that marriages and families are walking through because life looks different than what we ever expected it to. And all around us are people that are hurting and people that are walking through very difficult trials in their life. And Paul says, let me tell you what God is doing. God is coming to comfort us and encourage us and help us, but he's not just doing it so that we can step back and say, whew, I'm glad that's over. He's doing it so that we take the experiences that we have from God working in our lives, and then we pour those into the lives of others. You know how Paul's doing this? There are times it's by his example. That as they're observing what he's doing and how he's living his life, the unbelieving world sees a man that is battered and torn, and yet somehow he remains strong. There are times that Paul's just encouraging them by his prayers, reminding them that I'm praying for you as you walk through this time. Other times it's just words of comfort that are graced with authenticity and power so that God could become an, an, an opportunity to work through his Paul as a channel of blessing to others. 
I want you to flip over just a couple pages with me to chapter 7. We'll get back to chapter 1 in just a moment. But I want you to watch what happens in chapter 7 because I think it portrays so clearly what Paul is teaching in this verse. Verse 6 of chapter 7, 2 Corinthians. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now, you're going to kind of see this cycle that's working out here. Verse 7, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So, watch what Paul's saying. Titus came and Titus encouraged me. We all need encouragement from time to time, right? We need somebody that'll come alongside of us and that'll help us spiritually, that'll, that'll speak words of hope to us, that'll come alongside of us and bear our burdens and, and prod us along. We all need, and Paul says, you want to know what Titus did for me? He comforted me. He encouraged me. You want to know where Titus got it from? The Corinthians. So Paul says, for you Corinthians who are investing in and encouraging Titus, Titus then comes to my side and he's encouraging me at a time that I needed the encouragement. And then what is Paul able to do? To now speak back to the Corinthians to encourage them. See how this cycle works? That as we encourage others, they encourage someone else who in turn may be the same individual that's back speaking into my life and that is now encouraging me. And so Paul says, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us so that we, like Titus, like the Corinthians, now are able to come and we're able to comfort others. Now go back to chapter 1, verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now by the way, these are not the atoning sufferings of Christ. Right, Paul's not saying that I'm suffering for your sins like Jesus did. He's literally just saying the sufferings that I'm experiencing because of following Christ. And so in the midst of all that, we share abundantly in suffering as we follow Him. Suffering then follows us, so through Christ, in comfort. It's almost kind of an algebraic equation here, right? That the measure of God's comfort matches the measure of Paul's suffering so that the result is others can be comforted in the very same way. In other words, Paul's suffering plus God's comfort equals comfort for someone else. Number six, if we are afflicted, listen to this, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Can I just say, what a perspective. That this is not Paul in his own little corner of the world, who's only focused on what's happening in his life, but is seeing the big picture. That the patient endurance of the sufferings even that Paul went through would energize and activate the comfort of God. And as he followed Christ and experienced these afflictions in life, he would say to us, when you go through those times, don't run from them. Don't hide from them. Don't curse your circumstances. Instead, you patiently endure. And out of that, your comfort that only God will give will follow. Philip Hughes said it this way. In the service of Christ, there may be disappointments, but there cannot be despair. There may be conflicts, but never doubt. There may be afflictions, but never without comfort. Verse 8. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, by the way, this picture... This picture is of, 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 a, of an animal that's, that's bearing a weight that's too much, right? You've seen people that have, that have packed too much on the back of a truck and like it just, it just sits down and it's, it's beyond, it, it's more than what you can handle. That's the word that he's using here as it would continue to load and load and load and it's like that's too much. And Paul says that's what I'm talking about. Those times when you're utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What a picture. This is Paul saying, I reached that point where I had too much of a load. I couldn't go any further. In the midst of that, I didn't curse my situation. You know what I realized? The same God that could raise the dead is able to comfort and offer hope to me. And he's able to speak into my life and to do exactly what I need. That even when I despaired of life itself and thought I can't go on any further, in the midst of all that, God taught me how to rely not on me. My strength wears out. Your strength will wear out. It taught me not to rely on, okay, just kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get... No, it taught me how to rely not on myself, but on God. The God, and again, the wording is so interesting that God's resurrection power is not just described in the past tense, though we know that it was. It was God who raised the dead, but it's in the present. It's God who raises the dead. Because the God that raised Jesus from the dead has the same power and ability to minister to you and to comfort you in the midst of your affliction. Verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Now, the wording. This is what He did in the past. This is what He's doing right now. Even this is what He's going to do in the future. It's all about His deliverance. Verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Now, watch how Paul brings this thing full circle. It's not just about what he's gone through and even how God helped him, though that did. It's now back to him saying full circle that you helped us by prayer. That God used you as a channel of blessing. That you, as you stood alongside of me and encouraged me and prayed for me and ministered to me, that you also, you helped us. And it's this wonderful picture of Paul who's now giving praise to God, not just because of what God has done, though God has done it ultimately, but he did it even through the prayers of his people so that Paul could say many thanks are now being offered back to blessing God. These many thanks that are being offered because of the faces of many that have comforted me and that have helped me, that have literally paid it forward with their lives. Verse 11 ends with thanks and praise to God in the same way the verse 3 started. It's so instinctively Paul, his heart's desire for thanksgiving and praise to be offered to God by all people. In this case, because of the comfort that God is able to offer. Now, it's a lot of information. It's a fascinating text and every time I read it, I notice something that I haven't seen before. Every time I study it, it's like I never, I never caught that nuance before. I never saw exactly what Paul was doing. But let me give you today some takeaways. Four things that I want to say to you in light of this text this morning. Number one, accept the fact that even for the righteous, difficult times will come. By the way, that's a really good place for an amen, isn't it? That even for the righteous... Difficult times come. Now it kind of goes without saying, and I know we're in a Baptist church and we get this, and it's like, yes, we, we understand, but somewhere along the way, we've bought into the notion that believers should never struggle, that there should never be a financial need, that there would never be an attack or a ridicule by another human, that we'll never feel the pressure of weight in life as long as you're following Christ, that everything's going to be okay. And we bought into that. And then we think, okay, because I'm living faithful and I'm in church every Sunday and I'm in the Word every day and I pray every day, that that, that should mean that I've, that I've never had another trial in my life. You know what Paul teaches us with his life? That's not true. You know what the rest of Scripture teaches us? Think about David in the Psalms. You know what David is doing in the Psalms? It, it's just like this verbal vomit. Like, life is bad, right? Life is unfair. People are mean. God, how could you let this happen? When will this ever end? You know what David reminds us? 
He's serving God, a man after God's own heart. And sometimes life just seems unfair. How about Peter and John? Think about those guys. Like they signed up to follow Jesus. I don't think they understood all that they were getting into. And I'm sure of it when they were locked in prison that they were like, okay, is this what we signed up for? Like we, have, we walked away from careers and livelihoods and, and family. Like we left all of that to go to jail. Seriously, is that what we did? You know what you find those guys doing? Praying and praising in the midst of it. What a reminder, life doesn't always go like we think that it should. How about again, Paul, if you don't believe it, go to chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians when you get home and just read how bad Paul's life got. Read about the trials and the difficulties. How about those disciples and the early church fathers that were tortured and they were murdered for their faith? What does all that teach us? It teaches us that even for the righteous ones, difficult times will come. Now, I say this often to our people, and I want you to listen to me. God never wastes his words. And God spends a lot of time in the scripture offering strength and hope and encouragement to people that if we buy into that notion, we'd never need it. Why would he offer us hope? We don't need it. Right? Why would he offer us encouragement? I'm a follower of Jesus. I never need encouragement. Right? That's, that's the mentality. No, he gives us hope and encouragement and strength because he knows that even for the righteous, difficult times will come and they're going to be burdensome and they're going to weigh you down and you're going to find yourself, like Paul would say, despairing even of life itself. Except the fact that even for the righteous, difficult times will come. Number two, recognize the fact that God is our greatest source of hope and comfort. Recognize the fact that God is our greatest source of hope and comfort. Although, can I give this caveat? That he may use others to distribute them. In Romans 15 verse 13, Paul said it this way, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Another translation of that says it this way, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone said it this way, when I place my hope in things, I get distracted. When I place my hope in people, I feel disappointed. When I place my hope in my own knowledge or strength, I am devastated. But when I place my hope in Christ, I experience deliverance. What a difference. How does God do that then? How does he give us the comfort and the encouragement that we need? Sometimes he does it through the scriptures. Sometimes it's just in your quiet time and it's reading, maybe even a passage that you had not planned to read for that day and God brings that passage to mind or he puts it in front of you and you begin to read it and you walk away from that with encouragement that you found not because somebody else spoke it to you but because the Holy Spirit used the Word of God and He spoke it to you. Sometimes He does it through other believers. That's a phone call at just the right time. That it's a word fitly spoken, as it were. It's someone that comes alongside of you and ministers to you, maybe even without them knowing it. And they encourage you. Sometimes, as we learn from our text, it's through prayer. Maybe it's our own prayer. Maybe it's the prayer of others on our behalf. But recognize the fact that God is our greatest source of hope and comfort. Number three. Appreciate the fact that we can be used by God to provide comfort to those that are in need. Can I remind you of Paul's purpose clause in verse 4? Why don't you go back to that in, in our text? And if you underline or you circle in your Bibles, these two words I think are so important. The God of all comfort, verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions. And then these little words, so that. Or in order that. That we do what? That we comfort those who are in any affliction. You see, you may be the conduit of comfort that God uses to deliver hope to someone else today. 
you may be someone's Titus. Paul says, Titus came to me because you encouraged him. Titus came to me. And you know what Titus did? He encouraged me. And it may be this very body this morning that encourages you so that you can then leave this place and speak comfort and hope to someone else. Don't waste the opportunities that God places before you. Be a good steward of the ministry of comfort that you have been given in your life as a church. Be a good steward of the comfort and the opportunity that God has given to you so that you can speak into someone else's life who will then in turn speak into someone else's life. Corinthian church, Titus, Paul. And Paul now full circle back speaking to encourage the Corinthian church. Appreciate the fact that you can be used by God to provide comfort to those in need. Dr. George Truitt, who pastored First Baptist in Dallas for many years, in one of his sermons, he, he told a story about an unbelieving couple whose baby had died suddenly. And Dr. Truitt preached the funeral for that little baby and watched later as both mom and dad came to trust Christ. Many months later, a young mother lost her baby. And again, Dr. Truitt is called to bring comfort and hope to the family. But nothing that he said seemed to help them. Nothing that he said seemed to give the comfort and the hope that he wanted to give to them until this young couple stepped up, walking to the casket of their little baby, said to this family, we passed through this and we know what you're going through. God called me and through the darkness I came to him and he comforted me and he will comfort you. And Dr. Truett said, the first mother did more for the second mother than I could have ever done. Because she became a conduit of the comfort that God had given to her through someone else. That she's now able to speak and to minister and to help someone. Maybe the same thing's true with you. Don't waste the opportunities. Don't waste those times in your life where God has comforted you, maybe through the other words that someone else would speak. And now you become the conduit to minister and to serve and to speak hope to someone around you. During the horrors of the Thirty Years' War, Pastor Martin Rinkert faithfully served the people in Ellenburg, Saxony, and conducted as many as 40 funerals a day. Estimate that he preached over 4,000 funerals during his ministry. And yet it was this man that wrote what is a quote-unquote table grace for children that we still hear from time to time today that says, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices. And under the weight of ministry and under the weight of death, Surrounded by such hopelessness in a world could yet deliver hope and comfort to those who needed it so much. May we be the same type of conduit today. Truth number four. Consider the fact that God deserves praise. Regardless of what is happening in my life right now. Regardless of what's going on right now. God is worthy of praise. This little section, this paragraph, verses 3 through 11, Paul began with, blessed be God. And he ended with a prayer of thanksgiving to God. See, regardless of what you're walking through today, and these are not trite words, please don't take them as that. But regardless of what you're walking through today, God is still worthy of praise. Regardless of the weight and the pressure and the uncertainty and the circumstances, regardless of the tears and the brokenness and the hurt and the agony that you feel, that even when with Paul you feel despaired of even life itself, that you are so utterly burdened that they just keep piling it on. And I don't think I can go any further. I want you to understand this morning that in spite of all of that, the God is worthy of praise. And it's true regardless of whether I understand what I'm going through or not. I may never understand this side of eternity. But regardless of that, God is worthy. He is worthy regardless of whether or not my experience is a pleasant one or not. Because let's be honest, we all have some unpleasant experiences in our lives. There's some things that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy. 
There's some things that we go through that we don't want anybody else to have to go through. And those are so unpleasant and they're so hurtful and they're so agonizing. But God is still worthy of praise. And God is worthy of our praise, whether we feel like praising Him or not. And when the tears are flowing and we're admonished to sing honor and praise to God, and we don't even know that we can. Reminded of Psalm 137. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How do we do that when life around us is crumbling and everything is falling apart? Here's the truth. It's because God is worthy of our praise regardless of what's happening in our lives. In this entire section of Scripture, as Paul, he's going to spend a lot of time confronting the false teachers, and rightly so. He's going to spend a lot of time addressing some of the stuff that they've been teaching these people and that the people have been following even so blindly and, can I say, ignorantly in the midst of their young, immature faith. And before he ever gets there, he just has to stop and praise God because of the comfort that he had received in his life. Comfort not that he could hoard, but comfort, verse 4, so that he could then turn around and pay it forward. Because as we have received comfort, now we begin to offer comfort. And that's our privilege. That's our privilege. And can I say, that's our responsibility. And as believers, I'm convinced that we live in a world that is so me-focused, right? Have it your way, right? This is how we think. It's all about the way I want it and, and what I, that we, we forget the, the dozens of one another passages that teach us to look out for one another just to find the opportunity to pay it forward. I want to close this morning by just asking a couple of questions. My first question is this. What is it that you're going through today that you need the God of all comfort to just comfort and encourage you? Don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel guilty because you need that. Because we all have those times, right? Even Paul did. What is it that's in your life today that you need the God of comfort to speak hope and encouragement to you? And I would just encourage you, as we're taught often throughout Scripture, to cast your care on Him, First Peter. Cast your care on Him because He cares for you. Let Him bear the burden that literally when you're utterly burdened and you can't press on, cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Question number two. Who is it that God has put in your life strategically that you need to offer hope and encouragement to today? Who is it that God has placed in your realm of influence that you could just speak hope and comfort to. My wife, Emily, and I were talking last night. We were talking about a friend that's walking through a very difficult time. And she said, even without knowing what I was sharing today, she said, maybe it is that through this time, God has you in his life just so that you can be speaking hope and encouragement to you, to him. And I thought, wow, what a picture of what happens in 2 Corinthians 1. So who is it that God has put in your life and how are you faithfully being the conduit of blessing and encouragement that they need? Pay it forward. And question number three would just simply be this. Do you really know the God of all comfort? Not knowing like, yeah, I'm no, no, I'm talking when, when Paul is, is he, don't, he can't help but praise God in the midst of all that. Do you know the God of all comfort that Paul is talking about? Because that God loves you with an everlasting love. That God gave the price of His dear Son for you so that you could know the God of comfort. Let's bow our heads for prayer. humbled 
by this passage. I can't read it without just feeling the release that Paul experienced from the God of all comfort. And I trust this morning that the same God who worked in the heart and the life of Paul to give him the comfort that he needed would do the same for you today. I also can't read it without reading those little words so that in order that you may be able to comfort others. And I look at somebody like Paul and I say, what if, what if he would have stopped? What if, that, what if the avenue, the channel of blessing and encouragement would have stopped at Paul? How sad. Some of the greatest words of hope offered to us in the New Testament come from the writings of the man who went through the most. be a blessing to others today. But if you've never trusted Christ, if you personally don't know the God of all comfort, I pray that this will be the day that you would come to know Him. Father, in Jesus' name, take this passage of Scripture and my feeble attempts at sharing them, and I pray that you'd use them in our hearts and our lives, that whatever the needs are today, Whatever the burdens that we walked in here with, whatever the struggles and the challenges that kept us up last night, whatever the weight and the pressure of life that we're feeling, Lord, the, the, the anxiety of feeling what we've got to go through again tomorrow, we may just for these moments sense your peace and your hope and your comfort that only you can offer. So speak to our hearts as we worship together. And encourage and strengthen us so that we may be able to do the same for others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Something different. You can continue to play, Stacy. I would like to sing a, a, a hymn of invitation, but we've done this before at our church, and I think it would be um, opportune for us to seize the moment. I'm going to ask if, if you feel uh, okay to do so. I understand about the the sickness and, and the climate we're in. But if, if I have any of my active deacons and their wives that would just come forward uh, and let and pray with others that would like to come, can would any of my deacons come forward and just kind of spread across um, this this aisle? Come on now, you don't have to wait on me. And as they're coming, I want to encourage you to just and spread out as far as you can across from each other. We practice that distance. And, so. and here's what I want to do. Two things. One, if you would just like to receive prayer from any of these folks, you, there may not be anything, that's fine. But I'll give you the opportunity. Let them comfort you this morning. Let's put this text right into practice, right, uh, during this time of invitation. And then also I want to encourage you, if you've never repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior, you can do that here, now, with me, with a, a deacon. Um, and then go and be baptized. Let us have an opportunity of baptism. Um, but let's just, in the next couple of moments, if you uh, would like to be prayed over, would you come forward in just these next uh, couple of verses? Thank you, Stacey. Let's dismiss for prayer. Father God, as we come to you today, we're so thankful for who you are, God, that today we made much about you through the sermon that Ryan bought, God, and we're just so thankful that, that you're real, that you're ever-present, that no matter what is going on in our lives, you're always there. And God, I pray that that comfort that you give us, like Ryan talked about, we'll share with others, because there are so many in this world, in our church, in our families that need to feel your comfort and to feel your presence. And I pray, God, that we can be those those instruments that you use for your glory. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you can return to your seats. Uh, we're going to call ourselves into business uh, in just a moment. Uh, our ushers are going to be at the, the back door. 
if you're a visitor and, and you would like to stay and see how we conduct business, you are welcome to, to do that. Uh, if you're like, man, i got to get out of here, this is your chance, all right? No, no hard feelings at all. In fact, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Brian and his family if they'll make their way out back. Uh, they're going to, to greet you. Uh, and uh, I just want to tell again their family, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, Brother Henry Heinz just has a matter of information uh, that he wants to share with the church. I believe this is a recommendation from kind of deacons and building and finance. Is that kind of the way to say it? Deacons? We're a big team. Come on now, you got to come get in the. I got people watching. They're going to want to hear. Uh, so we're going to recognize Brother Henry. Call ourselves into business. We're not taking any votes today, but this is a matter of church business, and uh, we'll do that now. Go ahead, Brother. All right, just to make it clear, today is only a notice or an announcement for the vote that's going to take place in two weeks. So that's August 29th, the morning of. Uh, the vote will be on the building debt payment. Um, and if you guys remember uh, the result of the prioritization vote that we had a few months ago or a week, a few weeks ago, uh, the debt payment actually was highest priority for the church. Um, so building and finance and the deacons put together a proposal uh, and we gave you a couple options uh, that I'll present today um, and I have some printouts if we could pass that out. Go ahead. Uh, if I have a couple of deacons to help pass that out, make it more expedient. Sure, you can begin. And I'll start walking, walking you through it. Um, I'll give you some facts and then I'll tell you the two options that we'll be voting on. Uh, current remaining balance on the loan, and this was as of a month ago, um, so the number is going to be slightly different, but 237000 is how much we owe on the building. Uh, you'll see on the bulletin it's a little bit less because we just emptied out the future growth fund, but uh, for all intents and purposes, these numbers are still pretty accurate. So 237000 is what we owe on the building. Our current cash balance, what I did is I took the general fund, the future growth fund, and the maintenance fund, and added all that together. We're in the ballpark of 347000 The loan that we have on the building is 4% interest rate and amortized over 25 years. And these are general facts that you might feel you need to make a decision on the vote uh, and I'm here to fend any easy questions today or in two weeks either way uh, in two weeks the vote will be one of the two following options option one we're going to pay two hundred thousand dollars towards the outstanding principal which would leave us about thirty seven thousand um, option two pay 150000 towards the outstanding principal, leaving the remaining balance of about 87000 Any, Any questions? Everybody's clear on what we're voting for. Go ahead. There is not a prepayment penalty. The building... Um, Future growth fund, general fund, and maintenance fund. And I, I've got the, it's all three of our checking accounts added up. So uh, you'll see a slight difference in the June 2021 business statement. Um, this was based off the May business statement when these numbers were taken. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you, Brother Henry. Uh, we recognize that recommendation. We'll vote on it in two Sunday mornings, a very similar business meeting, and we'll open it up for questions uh, then as well. In the meantime, though, if you do have questions, you can see Brother Henry. Henry, who else can they see? Uh, if it's if it's building and finance related, you can talk to me. The other people on the committee, uh, Matthew Graham, Nick Bill, and David Harris. Uh, if it's a very difficult legal question, like why are we voting, that would be a Randy Barrett. That's a Randy Barrett question. <laughs> and if you have a question about the Greek of this statement, come ask me. There's no Greek in here. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. All right. 
Uh, let's close in prayer. I do want to remind you a couple of things. So BBS uh, for our kids tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, I'll be back here teaching our class. Uh, we're on the pre uh, Nicene Church Fathers. We're looking at Irenaeus and Tertullian. So if you'd like, those are weird names. Come back and hear me pronounce it more and learn them tonight, all right? Uh, and then um, uh, I want to remind you, if you're a visitor, if it's your first time viewing, please uh, fill out that form, whether through a tear-off panel or texting hello to our texting church number. Um, and then uh, last but not least, I do have just one little brief announcement. It's kind of self-centered in a weird way. Um, uh, in the back, I have the, my sermon preparation prayer team, and it's essentially uh, slots through my sermon prep week where I ask members of the church to take uh, a time, say like 4 o'clock on a Thursday, and at 4 o'clock on a Thursday just to pause wherever you're at and to pray for my sermon preparation. Uh, I think I have 13 slots left, and in fact, that's even with people doubled up. I really think it's only five. Uh, but if you would... Uh, would consider uh, doing that for me we don't meet at a particular time and place it's just uh, you know on your own we, you keep yourself accountable uh, you can feel free to contact me about any specific prayer needs for the sermon or things like that uh, but I, I just love to have the whole week of my sermon preparation just bathed in prayer I feel like we as a church we reap the benefits of that so uh, take a moment and and do that uh, let's bow for prayer. After we pray, uh, we'll be dismissed. And again, uh, feel free to drop those uh, visitor slips in the tear-off panel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the wonderful privilege to gather here with your church again today. I thank you for um, just the unity of our church. I pray that as we continue to step forward um, in the direction that you lead us, that we will uh, experience peace and your provision, Father God. Lord, I, I thank you for the message that was uh, here today. I thank you for the messenger as well, God. Uh, but we thank you most of all uh, for Jesus, uh, our, our Savior and God, uh, who is just the Prince of Peace, the King of Comfort, uh, giving it to us personally and then so that we can give it to others. We pray uh, for those who are suffering, hurt um, in our congregation and those outside of our community as we navigate these tumultuous times. Uh, help us to be quick to pray, quick to give a kind word of encouragement. And Lord, help us to keep things into perspective about how you're working this in and through our lives for your glory and for the good of others and our joy. I thank you for Mount Carmel. I ask that you bless us, use us to make much of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. All God's people say, amen. You're dismissed. I'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Say hello to PB for me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.